right, so uh, we got my buddy going back to our KITV days, uh, working under one Robert K. Caolo. Rob DeMello uh, is joining us. He's currently the sports director, of course, for KHON2. Uh, Jordan Helly uh, is on the line. And, of course, uh, Rob has been nice enough to present himself as a guest on our radio show and on the podcast multiple times. Uh, and so, Rob, uh, we appreciate it. Uh, you also went into the work office because we're recording this in the morning pretty early, like 8.30 a.m. here. You're already at the office, and I feel really bad about that, like really guilty that I made you leave the comfort of your own home to go into the office because you felt like the acoustics are better and you didn't want to wake up your children. <laughs> no, it's all good. It's all good, bro. I live close. You know, I'm, 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 I'm in most cases I walk or ride a beaky to work. So <laughs> it, I don't live very far away. And uh, yeah, I just, I, I know that when I talk to you guys I and mean, we got three Portuguese talking, things are going to get loud. And so I just didn't want to wake up my two year old. And so I just came down to the office. It's all good, bro. So you got like the monthly beaky subscription or account thing. Is that, is that how you roll? Well, so actually, uh, yeah, nah, hey, bro, I like it. Um, I actually just loaded up a bunch of, uh, I don't know what you call miles or minutes or whatever it is. And uh, I kind of just use it until it runs out. And then I, I recharge it. And I think uh, some family members know that I use Beaky. And so for the last couple of Christmases, that's what I've been getting is those Beaky cards. And then I just throw that into my account. So yeah, I I don't even remember the last time I actually had to to upgrade or, or add on because it just keeps on <laughs> keeps on letting me grab a beaky. <laughs> you know, at, at a time where we're talking a lot about like government run projects, whether it be you know the state entity that's the stadium, or whether it be you know even the University of Hawaii trying to transition its practice field into a, a facility that can host games, uh, and you know the reflection on that, uh, I can say I think it is I can say with with a demonstrative conviction that the Beaky system was a bullseye. Like that oh. is objective. The Beaky was, that, that one hit just right. Yeah, I mean, if you don't like Beaky, you're just a hater. <laughs> I mean, really like, you're just a hater because it's fantastic. And, you know, and from, from every angle that you look at it, like I'm saving money on gas, I'm not using my car as much when I don't need to. It's super convenient. There's stations all over the place. I mean, obviously, I live in town. So mm -hmm. may, like, if you live in Makaha, maybe, you know, you don't know what Beaky is. But um, for me and where I live, it, it's fantastic. It takes me wherever I need to go on days that I feel like, you know, I don't really need to use my car today. Have you Beakied, Jordan? No, no, I, I haven't. Oh, boy. I've done like bike shares in other cities like Chicago mm -hmm. and Washington, D.C., and they work really great. I just I haven't done it on Oahu. I guess I'm always going someplace a little further, someplace <laughs> that requires me to get like on H1. Um, so it's it's I haven't I haven't ventured quite yet on on Oahu. What's funny is that I don't talk to anyone about Beaky like throughout the entire year. Like I just use it. I don't talk about it. And I feel like every time I'm on this podcast, we talk about Beaky. So are you involved with Beaky in any way, Kanoa? Are you getting we money get from these drops sure. that we talk about? <laughs> yeah. They are a sponsor of the podcast. Uh, we did... <laughs> We did get in. We invested on the ground level. Uh, and yeah. So, yeah, this very thing, smart. It's very, very smart. lucrative. Very lucrative. Angel <laughs> investors. That's, that's what we are. Yeah. The, the city hasn't like hit you up. Like Brandy Higa hasn't come calling to do like a feature, like a promotional campaign. No, no. City and county or something. No, no. In fact, they probably charged me double to use it. So, yeah, that's uh, 
still waiting for my beaky chance. I mean, that could be like a whole KHON2 sports segment, right? Like, oh, uh, right. <laughs> beaky with Robbie D, you know? And it's just like oh. you and your interview subject are like on the bike and you're riding around town. You're stopping at like Alamoana Beach Park. And uh, it's like, hey, what do you think about the view? Uh, so what do you think about Nevada coming into town this weekend? You know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> Man, you, you're, I think you're onto something right there, but um, it might be a little dangerous, uh, you know, being that I shoot all my own stuff, right? I don't have the uh, luxury of a cameraman like when you and I work together. And so it might, it might be a little interesting, but, um, but yeah, maybe, maybe we put some GoPros on there and there see go. what happens. Or, or we can find those like uh, those tandem bikes. And then you put the GoPro on and it'd be like taxi cab confessions, but it would just be on a tandem bike. Like, here we go. I love it. Yeah, this is, this is how great. Now you're on to something. Now you're on to something. Yeah, I like it. I like uh, it. Robbie, it's, it's, it's great talking with you, man. I, it's, I don't know what the hell's going on this year, um, but we have, we have received some really, really bad news uh, that harkens to a time that I think was very meaningful to all of us, really, as sports fans, but certainly for some of us who were working in the business throughout those years and talking, of course, about the passing of Colt Brennan recently. And then we got the really shocking news this week of the uh, passing of Robert Kekaula at 56 years old. And uh, I think you and I both have this in common, which is, you know, our first full-time television reporting sports gig uh, was prompted by Robert. Like he brought us both in at different times uh, at KITV. We got a chance to work together over there, which was, was really cool. Started our, our friendship, if you will. But he was, you know, this, this larger than life figure, uh, both literally and figuratively. He was a guy who was very much against the grain, right? He, he was very anti-establishment to a large degree. Uh, he was unapologetically him. He didn't look like other people who were on camera in the industry. He didn't sound or talk like other people. You know, he'd, he'd wear Aloha shirts all the time, whereas everyone else is wearing suits. He'd walk around the newsroom in the studio in slippers. Like he didn't give a bleep because that was who he was. And he was going to be that. And he didn't care who bristled uh, whether you were, you know, some some kind of consultant from the continent or whether you were in, uh, you know, managerial positions or something like that. He didn't care what you thought because he was going to be him. And I think that that really connected with people. And that was sort of the first impression I got working with him was like, oh, man, like this guy's doing it his way. And I think that was why there were so many people, especially local people, especially people of Hawaiian ancestry, who just were like, ah, this guy he talks my language. Absolutely. Everything you said is Robert. And, you know, it's funny, something you said that uh, he was against the green. And I think that's, that's a perfect way of looking at it because that's, you know, on camera, off camera, you know, when he's making an appearance and when he's just in the office and it's just us kicking it. I mean, it, it, it's interesting because of, of any friend I've ever had in my entire life. I've never had a friend that I argued more with, right? <laughs> that gave me more headaches, that gave me more gray hairs, that stressed me out. Like, like being his friend is stressful at times, like to be completely honest. But then you look at the other side of the spectrum and I don't know if I'll ever have a friend that is as generous, that is as loving, that is as caring because like you said, he was larger than life. And so when he was on one side of the spectrum where you know, he was in a bad mood or he wanted to debate and you're on the other side of debate. I mean, he could be, you know, one of the most unpleasant people you've ever been around. 
Then on the other side, when he is in his giving state, or if you're in a place of need and he needs to be the knight in shining armor to help you out with whatever it is, it's a hundred percent. And that guy gives you the most generosity and the most love. And, and so that's why I would always joke with him. And I'd say, bro, any other person, I just wouldn't be your friend anymore. <laughs> but that was never, uh, that was never uh, an option. That was never considered, right? It was like unconditional love. And, and, uh, and uh, the kind of unconditional love that you usually only have for your mom and your dad and your children, but you had this unconditional love for him. And, and, and that's why I think it, this is very hard for a lot of people. And, and I'll be completely honest with you guys. I was a wreck for days and, and really uh you know i still am today to be honest um what makes me feel better is talking to you mm -hmm. you know because um i i you know so many of the memories that come back and and the thing about is you know that early time at kitv when it was when it was robert kanoa and me right and, and that was some of the best times of my life you know i i it, it, it just thinking about that makes me smile and, and, and puts me in a, in a good place. But, but I think that's why this is so difficult for people is because he was such a dominating figure um, in anything he did. And that includes with his relationships with people. I mean, that guy calls on the phone more than anybody in my life. <laughs> right. And um, I mean, Kano, I remember when, when we worked at KHON together, so when I left KITV to go to KHON, you know, you'd be in the office and I'd be on the phone with Robert for like an hour. I'd say seven words, <laughs> right? You remember that? Oh yeah. But, you know, and, and, and it's just like the guy, he, he wasn't good with silence. He wasn't good with having no one to talk to, you know, he didn't like being alone. And so that was his thing, man. Like I associate the phone with Robert because I don't, you know, I text people more than anything. I don't really call people and we text. And then if we need to talk, then we talk. But Robert was the opposite. You know, the only reason he would text is to say, call me, you know, or, or whatever. And so, I mean, if you were to go back and look at my phone records, I mean, Robert Kikawa's number is dominating in that. And, and I think that's why it, it's such a big void to fill is because he was just so present um, in, in, in everybody's life that, that he was close to. And so uh, this is a, a tough one that's going to get to getting over for sure. Yeah, it, it hit me in a weird way. I was pretty rattled for sure. I mean, just just the fact that it was so sudden, I think just unto itself. But uh, you're right, the way you put that, I mean, he is such a, a, a huge presence, right? Uh, he was iconic. I mean, he literally was a juggernaut of this industry. And so just the, the thought of him kind of not being there. And as you mentioned, the, the void that's left because of that. Um, that's really felt and that's going to take some some getting used to and I'm not sure if, if we ever really will fully kind of get accustomed to the idea of Robert K. Kaula not being there but he was I think a quintessential extrovert but with the people that he liked or respected uh, he didn't have time in many instances for the people that were outside of that sphere uh, and so those were those were the, the that was the dichotomy of Robert because you could glean so much information off of him and so much in the way of, of his process, how he went about uh, his business in this industry, you know, some of the, his rules of broadcasting, you know, things that, that he specifically thought made his delivery of sports news unique or better or more uh, connective with the people that were watching. 
but you're right. You know, there were, there were times where you saw him in his element and, you know, the way he'd talk to some people, especially when there were people that were, that dared to question him in some instances. And, and it was like, well, okay, he, he can be kind of abrasive. He can be kind of harsh. And, and that, that's sort of the complexity of, of Robert Kikawa. That That's the dichotomy of Robert. Uh, but, but in the end, I, I think when, when you, especially someone that's in the public eye, um, when, when you start to measure um, value and measure impact, that, that's, that's the undeniable aspect of Robert Gekala was the impact that he had on people that were fans of his, you know, television viewers and those in the industry. They, they didn't have to just be sports people, but even other people in the newsroom, producers, assignment desk editors, like he just had such an impact. He was such a force on so many levels uh, that, um, that, when you, that when you look back on, on what Robert Kekala was, to me, that's just one of the first things I think of is, wow, this guy just had an enormous impact on this place. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I kind of brought this up earlier and, you know, he, he loved being the knight in shining armor. That was, you know, watching him and being around him as much as I had, you know, over the last 20 years, because, you know, we, he brought me in when I was 19. I'm, I'm going to be 39 in August. So, I mean, 20 years I, I, I've known him. And, um, you know, he really genuinely loved helping people. Right. And even the people maybe that he didn't get along with or even the people that he had, you know, spats with or, or whatever it is, you know, behind the scenes, producers or whatever, he would help everybody. If someone needed help, he would help them. And I, and I know, uh, Kuno, you've probably, you know, experienced it too, especially when, when we're all working together. Like, you know, if he's the kind of guy that if you got a flat tire or if your registration expired and, and you didn't realize it, right, like, I don't know how, but that guy, he just, he knew how to help people. Right. And so you'd be like, Oh, Robert, bro, my, my safety check expired. You know, Oh, hold on. Just, you know, he'll get on the phone and the coconut wireless and he'd be like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Hey bro, go down to this place. You're going to talk to Frank, Frank, will do this. Blah, blah. <laughs> right. You know what I'm talking about, the right? Brother, brother network, the brother, brother network. And you know, and he loved it. He absolutely loved that part of it. And, and, and so um, it, it, and it was genuine. It wasn't like, uh, oh, he's helping someone because he wants to be thanked or I don't know how to explain it, man. And I've seen it and I've watched it happen when it wasn't me, when he was on the phone with somebody else. It's like, that's what he lived for. He lived for being the guy that can get you out of a jam, that can help you out. And, and, and it's just, and that's just another thing that makes him so interesting because there's all these things that you can talk about Robert and all these things that he accomplished, all these things that he did, but that's something that's kind of, you know, you have to see it, you have to, to witness it. And I, and I was lucky enough to witness it so many times and whether it's him helping me or helping other people, it, it, it's something that I, I really can't um, uh, explain uh, of just how important that was to him. Robert was the man. And I think to a large degree, he relished the role of being the man, um, as, as, as you're kind of touching on, right? It, whether it was helping people, whether it was just being the, the center of attention, whether it was being the de facto leader of a newsroom or a sports department, I, I think he enjoyed that, rightfully so, because he was that. Uh, whether whether he assumed that position or not, I think just because of his nature, people assigned that role to him. And he was just one of those guys. He was a very rare gift 
where you could get into those debates with him or you could get into a little bit of a teasing contest and he could just totally rail on you for like X number of hours. And at the end of the day, you're just like, Oh, that was cool. I got to do that with Robert Kikawa. Like he still yeah. <laughs> made you feel like you were something special just because you were interacting with him. I think a lot of people uh, had that takeaway. Yeah. Um, and anybody else, exactly what you said, anybody else you'd walk away and be like, bruh, like that guy's so mean. Like why, what? Right. But that wasn't it. You walked away. You're like classic, like, <laughs> classic Kikawa. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Jordan, I'm curious, you know, we are talking from a perspective of having worked alongside him for several years and kind of being able to look behind the curtain, if you will. Uh, and I'm just kind of wondering as, as a guy who is also in the business, um, you know, maybe didn't have a chance to work as closely with him, but kind of what your impression of, of Robert has been and, and how the news this week struck you. Yeah. You know, it, it's kind of funny, right? Uh, I mean, I could sit here and listen to your guys get call the stories all day. I think hopefully as, as our listeners will, I, I've only had a couple of conversations with them and I can remember them and they kind of went along. I think what, what Rob was talking about, like it was a lot of me listening. Right. And it, it, it was, but it was one of those like, Oh, it was cool. Like I got to talk to Robert Kikal, right. Because as a kid, and so you grew up watching and, and so the news hit me fairly hard just because it was, it was one of those things where Robert had been sort of ever present, right? And and he was the guy that, and it's so funny because you you listen to some of the the stories that you guys share, right? And and it and so it, I think the interaction almost I don't know if parallels, but it's very similar as sort of a viewer, right? It's just a a person who lives in Hawaii, a person who grew up in Hawaii, watching the news, right? This is what you do, and and, and you've got your choice of stations or whatnot, and and. And Robert, he wasn't the, the technically, you know, what they teach in class. He wasn't necessarily, he, he, at times he comes off as that guy who knows he's the man, right? But he's still the guy that everybody would watch because that's who they wanted to listen to because that's who, I don't know if it, it resonated the most or looked the most like people here, right? Sounded like the guy you would talk about sports with at work or at school, um, and it, it was, it was one of those things where it was like, he, he, he was just our guy. Right. And we were his people. And, and so I think it wasn't this, I, I, I don't know how the right way to put it, but it wasn't like he was, you know, um, it, it wasn't like he was, um, absolutely foolproof, right. It wasn't like he was, it, it was all, all knowing or, or all saying where it was like, oh yeah, anything that Robert says goes, but you kind of listen, it's like, oh, okay, that was a little funny, or ah, I don't really agree with him there, but it's like, that was the guy, that was your guy, right? And, and that's who you were sticking with, and, and that's who you were watching on the news every every night at, at, at 6 and 10. Like, that, that, he was just, he was Hawaii's guy, I think. And so, so to, to, to lose him so suddenly, to have him still be, like, right, he wasn't doing the news, but he was still doing UH football games. And so he was still always around, right? He was, there was always something going on. And, and whether you were, you were, you know, just a UH fan, whether you were just watching the news, whether you were seeing his fingerprints still at KITV or, or, you know, stumbling across an old CD of his from, from 30 years ago, like it, it was, he was just always there. Right. And, and, and he was the, the brother or the uncle that, that just kind of was always around at the party. And sometimes you're like, ah, this guy, but he's your guy. Right. And, and that's who I think that's what resonated the most. And it's kind of funny to hear you guys talk about that on, on more personal interactions, because I think in a weird way, like that kind of came through 
just watching him on television, as weird as that sounds. Yeah, we would get into it because he would write in a style where he would leave out certain articles or certain pronouns, certain words, uh, because in his mind, it made it sound more conversational. And I'd be like, dude, that's not even grammatically correct. What are you doing? He's like, don't worry about it, okay? This is how people talk. And sure enough, that's how it came across because he would, he would you know, read what was in the prompter or ad lib or whatever in a cadence that was very consistent with the way he actually spoke in conversation. And that was a big eye-opener for a young Kanoa, I remember just trying to figure out what the heck was going on in the business. And I was like, oh, okay, I get it. You know, he's not trying to write a newspaper article when he's writing his, his news scripts. He's actually trying to converse with the people that are watching. And, and I think to a, uh, to a viewer, like every single person that watched him, I think would all agree whether they whether he was you know their style or not they could agree that it did feel as though it was a little bit more of an intimate communication with Robert than than it would be with with other people in the industry. Yeah, and we and we all learned so much from him and and like Kanoa said earlier that both Kanoa and I got our start like our like like full time first job under Robert at KITV and. Um, you know, it's funny. I, I want to tell you a, a story of something I learned from Robert indirectly that's really important. Um, but to almost set it up, I, I, I want to share with you guys like how, and Kanoa, you probably remember this, of how I actually got into KITV is I was interning at KGMB since I was 15. So 15 to 19, I'm interning at KGMB, just going in a couple times a week under Neil. Um, around the time I'm 19, that's when Neil leaves for ESPN. And so I'm, I'm there with Liz Chun and I'm getting to know Kanoa through HPU games mm -hmm. because I think you were doing radio or I, I don't know why you would be at the HPU games, but I was doing PA announcing for the HPU games. And at halftime, we would shoot on the court, right? Like we just go and shoot hoops. And that was the first time I met Kanoa really. And, and we kind of started talking. If I remember correctly, um, you first brought up my name to Robert because Dan was leaving you were going to take Dan's spot and then we needed a number three at, at KITV. And I think you're the first person that told Robert like, Hey, you, you know, that intern guy over at KGMB. Um, but of course I'm not there for that. I, I think if I remember correctly, that's kind of how my name first came up. But what happened was my girlfriend and I at the time, my girlfriend at the time, we're walking at Pro Ridge Mall. I literally bump into Robert K. Kaula. Literally like he's backing up. He's with his young son. And were you okay? Up. Yeah, right. And and I'm walking by him and he backs up into me and, and oh, oh, sorry, bro. Sorry, sorry. And then we kind of recognize each other. And, and by no stretch of the imagination was I a friend of Robert's yet at that time. We just he just knew me as the guy that's always around Neil. I knew him as Robert, obviously. And, uh, and he's like, oh, hey, bro. Hey, you still working for free over there? Kid <laughs> and I said, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm still interning with Liz. Hey, bro, we hiring. You want the job. And like, and so keep in mind, like I, you know, I didn't apply. I didn't even know if there was an opening. I'm interning. I'm still going to school thinking that like I'm years away from starting. And I was like, uh, yeah. And he's like, oh, okay, give me your number. I'm going to call you on Monday. And so I'm like, okay. Right. And so I give him my number and, and we go our separate ways and I'm tripping out. Like, did I just get hired at KITV? <laughs> like what's happening? Like, what is, like, is he ever going to call me? What's going on? And then sure enough, it's like the weekend's over. Monday, he calls me. He tells me, 
hey, can you get down here on Tuesday to meet with the news director? I, I told him, you're my guy. Don't worry. And I'm like, do I bring a resume? Like, what do I do? Like, is there an application? You know, because at, at that point, I don't even worked at Safeway, you know, and, and the YMCA. And so, you know, I, I don't have to fill out an application. Like, do I need references? He's like, nah, nah, bro, just come down. And so I came down to the station on Tuesday. I met with Todd Pritchard, the news director. And pretty much, I mean, after getting to work with Robert, I know how it went down. Robert said, this is the guy, you're going to hire him. And Todd's like, okay. <laughs> and so I sat down and, and Todd pretty much said like, so Robert says that you're the guy. And I'm like, <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> and, and that was that. I signed paperwork and I was working on Wednesday. And I remember my first day, um, Robert kind of set me up with, with Kanoa and was like, oh, go in early in the morning. Kanoa will be there. And then we jumped in your, your Tahoe. And I remember we just drove around town and talked story. Um, and, and retrospectively, I look at like, you probably did that to make me feel comfortable, um, you know, with you because you knew what lied ahead. And I was working with Robert, which wasn't the easiest thing in the world, <laughs> you know? And, and so you and I hit it off. Uh, you know, I remember that drive around. I feel like we circled King Street like a thousand times and we're just telling stories and laughing. And then, and that's how it all started for me. And um and so to, so I, I told that to kind of set up, that's how I got in. And um, I remember trying to, uh, trying really hard to get into Robert's good graces. Cause I, you know, I, I think he feels people out in the beginning too. And, and so you gotta keep in mind, he hired me. So there's no reason for me to think that like this guy doesn't like me, but that's kind of just the game he played, right? Is he made you kind of earn his respect. And, and so, and uh, I'm, you know, uh, Robert talks a certain way, especially off camera and to just us in the office where he's crude and he's kind of the most shock value guy you ever meet and his jokes are crazy. And, and so I remember trying to fit in with him. I tried to kind of talk like him. And so I don't remember exactly what the story was, but it was uh, something was going on at St. Louis and he sends me to St. Louis school. And this is like in the late morning. And with a cameraman, he's like, okay, I need you to go and talk to, you know, I, I, maybe Cal Lee was stepping down or it was like a big story. And um, I go to St. Louis and they're not letting me on campus. They're like, oh, sorry, we're not allowing media on campus today. You got to turn. And the person was super nice about it. It, it. it was a woman and she was very sweet and, and kind and, you know, just, oh, I'm so sorry. You can't come today, but, you know, stay in touch and maybe we could do this another day. And so uh, I, you know, we leave. And so as we're leaving St. Louis, I call Robert and I'm trying to get, you know, I'm trying to be Robert at this point. Right. And so I call him and I'm going to clean this up a little bit, but I pretty much say like, oh yeah, this witch over here, like she won't let us on campus, you know, cause that's the way he talked, you know? So he took that as someone over there was like disrespecting me. <laughs> do you remember this, Kanoa? Do I remember do remember this, this, yes. And and so, but he didn't say that to me. He just like, oh, for real? Oh, okay. okay. And we get off the phone and I go back to the station and the whole rest of the day I'm cruising, I'm doing whatever it is I got to do. And Robert comes in and uh, uh, one of our mutual friends that works over there, Kelly Nakasone, is sitting on the couch with me. And Robert comes in and he goes, oh, brah. I called St. Louis. I gave it to her. I gave it to, and, and he tells starts telling me what he told her about. You don't disrespect my guy. That's my guy. You don't, you don't talk to him like that. And, and I'm like, Robert, 
why did you do that? No, she she was super nice. Why did you do it? He's like, bro, you said that she she was a witch. And I'm like, no, I was just trying to talk like you, you know? And so, and I'll never forget, as soon as he's mad at me, he's just like, bro, he gets on the phone, he calls a florist, and he has flowers delivered to that place, um, apologizing. And he the next day, I remember he went to St. Louis and talked to her directly and apologize for what happened and all that and i just learned such a valuable lesson that day of like just be you you know just be you and, and and it's weird because if there's any lesson that i learned from robert directly or indirectly that was always it right just be yourself be you robert was robert at all times and so he taught us that by teaching us that by telling us like just you know your voice finding your voice and your, your style and, and all this, just be true to yourself, be you. And then even indirectly in a moment like that, where I was over here trying to, you know, portray him, even though I'm not him. And I learned through that experience of like, you just got to be you at all times. And so um, I, I just wanted to share that because I, I, I thought it was funny when you talked about how much we learned from him, it, it was directly and indirectly for sure. Yeah. The, the be you thing that he, he was always about that. Find your voice, and then, you know, embody that um, without question, without fail, that that's who you are, be you. And um, he wasn't afraid to be daring. I remember there was one, uh, you know, every ratings period, you wanted to put like a, a series together that would try to prompt people to tune in. And um, we did this one series on the Polynesian influence of recruits on the football team under June Jones. Uh, and so he came up with the idea, like, how about we just flash these like Polynesian names, like the last names of these Polynesian players. And, you know, it was Kalili Moku or Tinoi Samoa and like all this stuff. And uh, in rapid succession, and he's like, and you just say them, like say them as this graphic is, is scrolling through these names. And I was like, oh, okay. And he's like, you know why we're going to do that? I said, why? He goes, because you can. And some of the other guys in town, they wouldn't be able to do that they wouldn't be able to pronounce those names or say those names and so like he was he kind of always had that idea that thinking of like all right how do we how do we sort of get in get an edge or or even peacock to a degree uh with with things that we can do or, or things that maybe by virtue of you know being hawaiian we we have more um of a perceived comfort in doing like he he, he was really interesting about that kind of stuff and uh just on another note Again, he wasn't scared, scared to be defiant uh, because there was another ratings period where I was urged by the assignment desk and the news director to do a story on this burgeoning industry that was fantasy football. And Robert, uh, even though I think he may have even been like a fantasy football player or participant, was not interested in doing that story whatsoever. That was the last thing he wanted to do. And so uh, I ended up having to do this story. I put it together and Robert's lead on camera, on television was somebody somewhere for some reason thought it would be a good idea to do a story on fantasy football. So Kanoa Leahy is forced to do it. Here's the story. That was his lead. <laughs> that was his yeah. lead. I was like, okay, all right. That's another Robertism, right? Where anything that he's not into yet is like, <laughs> like, I wouldn't be caught dead doing this, right? Or like, that's the last thing I will ever do. And that's so I remember... Right texting like i remember you and i were texting you know like 
before he was texting and he thought it was the stupidest thing, right? Like I would never text. Why would you text? You can just call somebody. And then he's like, the, like, you see him all the time just texting, right? And you know, what's funny is his Twitter. Like if you go to his Twitter right now, there's a picture of him in a red and, and yellow Aloha shirt. That picture was taken at Highway Inn. I took that picture because he lost a bet. I was trying to get him on Twitter for the longest time. He wouldn't do it. And I don't remember what the bet was, but he lost the bet and had to get on Twitter. And so at this lunch, and in fact, the other part of the, the bet was he had to buy me lunch. And so we go to Highway Inn, he buys me lunch. And while we're eating the lunch, he gives me his phone and I put Twitter on there. I sign up the account. I create the account. And then I'm like, all right, we got to take a picture. And boom, he takes a picture. It's the only picture he ever used on Twitter. He never changed it. Uh, the, the header picture was uh, uh, his motorcycle, which was in his photo album that I just put in there. And, and that's another thing where he's like, I would never get on Twitter. I'll never do it ever, ever, ever. And then you look at, I mean, of everyone in town, he probably loved Twitter more than anybody, yeah. right? In, in our industry. And so it, it's just so funny. That was, that was Robert's thing. And, and even fantasy football, I don't know anyone more obsessed with fantasy football than him. He's in like 10 leagues. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. And one of his buddies hit me up the other day, like, hey, you got to take over Robert's team. And, you know, it, it, it's just so funny like hearing that because that was totally him. It was just like, nope, we'll never do it. Nope, nope, nope. And then in the blink of an eye, he's just like, oh, yeah, fantasy football, unreal. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I remember when he first jumped on Twitter, it was like George Jetson. Uh, like, how do we get off this crazy yeah. thing? Like, <laughs> yeah. he kept tweeting this stuff. Like, I don't even know what's happening. It was just so funny. Um, he was an original, man. He was an original. Yeah. Uh, he was creative. Um, you know, I think I, I, I was talking with Sam Spangler earlier in the week and, and I, I think, you know, there was a certain artistry to what he did. And so he had this very abrasive brada brada front and facade, but don't mistake that for a, a lack of intelligence because he was brilliant uh, on a number of fronts, but particularly brilliant, I think, when it came to this industry and sort of understanding the inner workings of the community around him. He was a tremendous teacher. Right. I mean, he, he definitely did not shy away from sharing his playbook with us, so to speak. And then I think that that creativity, right, he, he was he was in many ways an artist. And that came out not just in his sports broadcasting, but certainly uh, in his in his musicianship. Um, and, and so there's a sensitivity there that that artistry doesn't come from, you know, this this inner sort of like brick or stone core. Right. Uh, there was a there was a soft spot inside all of that and uh and i think that's what what a made robert very complex as a person uh but i think also what made him so darn special overall yeah absolutely and and when you say all those things it, it's crazy to think of all the things he accomplished in 56 years right where, where you look at you know he became the face of sports casting in hawaii right in his time he was in a ABC sitcom, like as a main <laughs> character in yeah. Birds of Paradise, right? Then he would, then later in life, he was on North Shore, right? That Fox series that, you know, it didn't last as long as, as Birds of Paradise did. But again, as a main character, like in the, in the, the credits at the beginning of the show, um, you know, he made three albums, one of which became a hit in Japan. And the dude, like, went and had concerts in Japan, like as Robert K. Kaula and people were freaking out. Like you could find videos on YouTube. And, 
it's insane. Like yeah. everything that he did, you know, ended up being the play-by-play guy for the University of Hawaii. Um, you know, jokingly, I think Stephen Tsai even wrote it in his article where, you know, the people in the industry, we called Robert the GM because he played such a huge role in University of Hawaii football to the point where you'd be like, that's impossible. A, a, a local sportscaster is not making those kinds of decisions. That he's not, <laughs> he doesn't have that kind of influence, but he really did. Um, and, and so it, 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 it's, it's crazy what he accomplished. And like you said, that it, there are things that he did that, that may come across a certain way, but it took a lot of thought. I, I feel like nothing he did was by accident. Nothing he did was... Um, you know, one thing that just popped in my head right now, uh, and Kanoa, you're here for this, is uh, we had Media Basketball League back in the day, and it was like a big deal. It, yeah. it, like the scores would go in the newspaper the next day. Uh, the games were at McKinley High School, and like people used to come and watch. Like there'd be people that not associated with the media, they would come and sit in the stands and watch Kanoa whap threes all day long, <laughs> right? And so I remember this KITV team we had is like 2005. And it's Kanoa, me, Robert, Sean Ching is on the team. Uh, you know, we, we got a bunch of other people at KITV. It was a really fun team. And so there's one game. Uh, we're up. We're, we have a big lead over someone. It's kind of late in the game. And I remember poking the ball out at the top of the key, coming from behind the person that I was guarding. And so I poked the ball out, and the ball goes straight into Kanoa's hands. And Kanoa's in the, in the middle of the key. And so because I've already taken inventory of who's on the court and everything, right? I'm thinking like, there's no one back here. I'm, I'm just going to book it. And so I poke the ball out. Kanoa catches it. As he catches it, I'm running and I'm looking at Kanoa the whole time to make sure he knows I'm ready, bro. Kanoa throws this outlet pass that I catch like a football player. <laughs> I don't even look at the hoop yet. I just know where I am. I take one dribble and as I'm turning to the hoop about to go for a layup, Robert K. Kaula, my teammate, is standing right in front of me and swats the living daylights out of me and sends the ball into and I'm like, Robert, what are you doing? And he's like, bruh, I had to. And I'm like, no, you didn't. You're my teammate. And I remember, and so everyone's laughing, right? And, I, and this is like 2005, I'm 23 years old. So I'm still kind of like, I'm, I'm not comfortable with myself <laughs> yet. Like, I'm still trying to just like get by every day of like, you know, like, you're okay, Rob. Like, and so I'm like, Robert, why did you do that? And, and, and I'll never forget, Robert said like, look around, everyone's laughing. That's what they're here for. They're not here to see you make a layup. And I kind of thought about it and I was like, you know, I get it. Like, like that's, you know, that was Robert. Like he thought about this. It wasn't like, I'm just going to swat Rob because I want to swat Rob. Like he did it because we're going to win no matter what. Everything worked out. Like he didn't go out on defense. So he happened to stay back there on offense. <laughs> Everything worked out to where he could do this and make everybody laugh. And, and that's why he did it. Like uh, it, he's one of a kind, man, that like, uh, we'll never have another Robert in our lives. That's for sure. Yeah, well, that that story is 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 it, it fully encapsulates in many ways kind of who he was, right? Um, against the grain, right? Yeah. Against the grain, uh, but in a really um, memorable way. Uh, he's gonna be missed. You know, I I kind of went into this thinking like, oh, okay, we'll talk about Robert a little bit, and then we'll get into some other sports topics and those kind of things. But I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm not sure how to transition 
out of this. So uh, maybe it's uh, maybe it's just better we we kind of leave it at that. I, I don't know. Anything you wanted to to add or ask, Jordan? What do you think? No, I I, I like that. I, I think that's a, a good idea, right? This is we remember Robert on this episode. Yeah, I, I, it's just one observation. To you bring up the UH football thing, right? And it's so funny because he had developed this almost like cult-like following yeah. on the mainland mm-hmm. and how big he was amongst the, the night owl, late night Hawaii game viewer base, which is pretty big, right? And especially with Twitter over the last five, 10 years and how all those, whether they're watching it for investment purposes, <laughs> whether they're watching it because they're just diehard college football fans or they're just insomniacs, right? But there were so many of these people on the mainland who would stay up for the midnight Eastern Hawaii game. And they would get the stream on whatever service it was that you could get the Spectrum broadcast, right? And the Oceanic broadcast even before that for, for however long Robert was doing it, what, 10, 12 years or something like that. And, and he had developed this following of people who just, he was the constant, right? He was the only constant the entirety of his tenure there, right? He went through multiple head coaches and, and different quarterbacks and terrible teams and really good teams over the course of that decade plus. Uh, but it was always Robert Kikala and the, and his Aloha shirts. And he was beloved, just beloved because in part, because he was like nothing else anybody had seen on TV calling college football games. Right. And he sounded like nobody else <laughs> calling college football games amongst anybody in the country. Um, and to just see the amount on Twitter after his passing, from national out like awful announcing had an article mm-hmm. about robert right there were there were tweets from people who had never been to hawaii who had just watched the hawaii game and withstood the hawaii test as they call it on college football reddit right you had stayed up till 3 a.m east coast time watching this and, and just seeing how beloved he was and how much people enjoyed him right he was this character he was this larger than life character that just resonated and was synonymous with hawaii football over the last 10 12 15 years and just seeing that and it was a little melancholy because it kind of reminded me of the reaction after Colt passed as well. And just how many of these people on the mainland had come to love Hawaii football because of the characters, because of the style of play and all these kinds of things. And, and, and Robert was as big a part of that, I think over the last few years. And it was just, it was just amazing to see the amount of, of outpouring and, and how many people were, I think legitimately just sad, right. To hear that news in the middle of the night, really um, on the East coast. And, and as you worked your way a little closer to the islands, it was, it was kind of amazing to go along with him playing sold out concerts in Japan and, and being on network, like all of this, this is all one guy, right? It, it's amazing. You know, if you guys don't mind, and I know we've probably gone way longer than you guys intended. Uh, just, I mean, that usually I feel like happens when the three of us start talking. <laughs> um, but you know, I, I told some stories about Robert and, and if you don't mind, there's one last story that, that I want to tell that, Please. um, it's important to me that that's the last story that I tell about Robert. Um, and, and Kanoa, you experienced this with me because at that time in my life, there was probably um, no one closer to me than you. And so you helped me tremendously through this time. But in 2007, my childhood best friend passed away. Sione Tamale passed away in, in a car accident. And so um, the, the week that that happened, the week leading up, it was going to be Robert's birthday on March 10th, which is a Saturday. So March 10th, 2007, he was all excited because his birthday was falling on a Saturday. He was throwing a party, choke people coming over and um, he was going to have a good time and, and all week long. And, you know, he, he usually didn't talk about 
like things that were coming up or like, you know, he was kind of just like in the day kind of, kind of guy. And, but this particular week he was telling me, he kept telling me about this. Oh, bro, this guy's coming and play music and blah, 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 and all this stuff. And, and so on uh, the overnight, March 9th to March 10th, a Friday going into a Saturday is, is when Sione had passed. And um, so I found out in that morning, uh, Sione's wife called me and told me what happened. And, and obviously stunned, heartbroken. But the first thing I thought was, like, I need to work. I need to, you know, I, I was the weekend anchor at KITV. I need to work today because today is Robert's party. I'm not going to have Robert come in and work for me. And so I tried to, to power through. And, uh, you know, I, I maybe got the news at about 930 in the morning. And so I remember just kind of being in a daze and, uh, you know, I'm working, I'm trying to build my show. Uh, and throughout the day, I, I'm, I'm hitting like, you know, walls where I just start crying. And um, Shane Enright, who was working there at the time, you know, is coming into the office, checking up on me. And everyone kind of knew Sione because he would come by the by the station every now and then. And so everyone's kind of, you know, there for me. And uh, but I'm telling them like, hey, I'm going to work like I'm going to work today. I'm going to work. And then when I'm done with the show, then I'll go to Wamanalo and go see the family. And, and somewhere along the line, I, I think it was Shane that called Robert and told Robert what was going on. And so in the middle of the day, I, I'm, I'm working. And the way the desk was set up at KITV was when you walk in the door, my back is facing you because the way it was set up, Robert saw the door. I didn't. I, you know, my back was to the door. And I'm working. And the next thing I know it, just I'm engulfed with this big hug right comes over my shoulder just puts his arm around me hugs me says he's so sorry and he said that uh i called your wife she's outside i want you to walk outside she's gonna drive you to Wamanalo. i don't want you driving today don't come back you can work tomorrow and i'm gonna uh he, he told you know and i told him i said what about your party and he said hey they're partying bro they're having a good time i don't need to be there and uh and, and so that always is something that I never forgot because, you know, there's one thing of, you know, him coming into work or him calling me and saying like, Hey, do you need me to work or, or whatever, even, even if he came down and said, get out of here. But it's also the steps that he took even before he got there, right. Where he's timed it out so that he called my wife to make sure that she was on South King street waiting for me because he didn't want me driving he didn't come into work until he knew that she was there waiting for me. And it was all this process. Like he thought it all out that, okay, Rob's going to go from the office straight into the car. You know, his car will be left in the garage. And, and that kind of says everything about how we talk about that. There is this, you know, this spectrum of Robert and on one side it's hilarious and crude and, you know, and all this. And then the other side is just like this gentle, sweetheart who is so generous and caring and loving and would do anything for anybody and um that you know anytime i think of robert it always brings me back to 2007 and uh what he did for me that day because like i said it was more than the action it was the intention and and all the things he thought of ahead of actually doing it that uh, i'll never forget and um that so it's really important for me to share that he did that for me and, and how much that meant to me. And, and, and that's a big reason of why someone like Kanoa, myself, you know, Jemai Webster, Brandy Higa, Dan Meisenzall, Cody Krupp, people who worked with him, who spent legit time with him. Uh, I think that's why it is so devastating.
Well, that's well said. Uh, I think that is a, a, a wonderful story, a wonderful note to, to end on. Segwaying into another topic or anything is stupid. But yeah, man, I, just thank you so much. I, I know that talking about this does help. Um, this was something that hit us all pretty hard this week, and I know it hit you particularly hard. So uh, thanks for sharing, man. And, uh, and obviously, always great to talk with you. No, and it really does help the healing process, talking to you guys and I mean, sharing these stories and laughing. It really, really is a, a big help. And uh, I appreciate you guys bringing me on. Love talking to you guys anytime, man. And I, I love you boys. All right. Love you too, man. Take care. Thanks, Rob. Love you, man.